This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 10th to 16th of October. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's feature editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hiya, Paul. Hello there, Ezzie. We're looking forward to some more events. Oh, always. So what have we got to look forward to this week, Paul? Well, it is another week of moon events, so uh, as they say, buckle up. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, though, that we're, we're now past full moon, which was, of course, last night. And so we're now looking at the moon gradually moving into the morning sky. So these are going to be late night events. But it's also moving through some interesting area of sky. So that actually helps to keep the interest up. We start off really late evening on the uh, sort of like the 11th. So we see the planet Uranus. Now, you will need binoculars for Uranus, um, but the moon makes a bit of a triangle with Mu Ceti and Uranus. So if you have a star chart, you can work out where to look. You can see the moon easily and you'll be able to work out uh, Mu Ceti and then Uranus from it as well. Um, Uranus in binoculars doesn't really look greenish to me. In a small telescope, I, I notice it looks slightly greenish. Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few greenish things you see in the, in the night sky because you can't have green stars. They technically don't exist. But, uh, you know, but it, so it is interesting. But you, the bigger the telescope, the more pronounced, I think, the greenish hue actually is. So that's actually on the 11th. When we get to the 12th, we go 12th to the 14th because Uranus is in Aries. And the thing about it is it is slowly creeping towards the next constellation, which is Taurus. And but the moon, of course, beats it to it because it whips past the sky uh, so quick all around us in 28 days or so. And so the moon on the 12th is actually quite close to the Pleiades star cluster. You know, Messier 45, the mm-hmm. uh, Seven Sisters. Um, you've got to bear in mind the moonlight does tend to diminish the number of stars you can actually see. But the brightest ones still show up quite well. Mm-hmm. So there we are. So that's on the 12th. So... We're looking at the waning moon now. And, of course, we had it waxing towards full uh, last week. Well, we're waning now towards new over the next couple of weeks. And so on the 12th, it lies to the lower right of the Pleiades Messier 45. So that makes an interesting view. But the, the moonlight will sort of wash out the fainter stars of the Pleiades. You know, the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters or Messier 45. Whole range of names and numbers for these objects, aren't there? Mm. Uh, then on the 13th, the moon itself will lie roughly north of Aldebaran and the Hyades cluster. I always think Taurus is funny because it's like two big clusters. The main features are two big clusters sort of thing, a big bright one.
on and slightly dimmer but still naked eye v-shaped high star cluster so there on the 13th the moon lies roughly above aldebaran which is the red eye of the bull staring out at us as such and then on the 14th the moon is in the horns of taurus itself and it lies above slightly above right of the planet mars and if you've been following over those days 12th to the 14th Keep an eye on Mars because it is slowly drifting past Zeta Tauri. Now, if there wasn't for the fact that the moon's there, I'd probably say, oh, try to photograph the Mars next to the Crab Nebula, mm. Messier 1, the first one that started off Messier on his actual list. But unfortunately, the moonlight will wash it out. So you'll mm. hardly see the nebula, which is a great shame. But uh, it, unless you've got these specialised filters nowadays, they can filter out a lot of the moonlight, can't they, in photographs. Mm. So you might want to have another go. You need a wide field or a rich field telescope for it. But it's worth having a go as Mars passes above sort of Zeta Tauri and, it, and between them is Messier 1, the Crab Nebula. I do think sometimes it is good sort of seeing what you can see when, when the moon's about. Because, you know, people always give the moon, or at least deep sky... Um, astronomers and astrophotographers give the moon a, 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 a bad rap because it washes everything out. But sometimes, you know... Sorry, we can't help it. <laughs> just just to have a look and see what you can see. Um, especially as it sounds like there's a lot of very other interesting stuff going on um, around in that part of the sky as well. So, you know, give it a try. And the moon is interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to it. It is interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's got a lot of details on it. So I do occasionally look at it. Uh, it's just like I like looking at galaxies and nebulae and such myself. But yes, that Crab Nebula, I mean, it's quite something. Most telescopes would show it just as a little oval. It's only when you get larger aperture that you start to see subtleties yeah. in the features themselves. I, I will confess, I've never really understood why it's called the Crab Nebula, because it looks nothing like a crab. <laughs> well... Lord Ross had a 72-inch telescope, yeah. <laughs> a 72-inch, <laughs> so, so he could see details that we could only dream of. He, sees the de- he saw the details that we now photograph, you know, and that's the key. Photography brings out the shape a lot better. But, uh, yes, I'm not, I always think it's a bit of an odd shell for a crab. <laughs> if you're looking with the naked eye through a 72-inch telescope, then maybe it looks like a crab, unfortunately. Most people who have 72-inch telescopes don't tend to be looking through the eyepiece these days, so... But I don't know of anybody who actually has something that big and visually uses it. It's all photographic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, this is always a a quick week because, of course, we've been dealing with the moon. Um, So we're virtually at the end now, and unfortunately, October the 15th for this week... Um, the moon itself, again, it will wash it out, but it, it doesn't completely wash out this cluster, um, which is the Messier 35 cluster. And uh, it's, uh, it's worth having a look because it's not too far away, the moon, from it. But it, as you've just mentioned, it's worth just seeing what you can see because there are some quite brightish members in that cluster, Messier 35. I don't think you see the companion little cluster next to it, which is a lot fainter. But you should see Messier 35 and some of the brighter actual members are with it. And this is in Gemini. So now the moon's moved out from Taurus into Gemini as such. And uh, so it won't be too far from the cluster itself. And, uh, you know, we, it's, it's, uh, they often have different names as such as well. And uh, I'm trying to work out the name on this because, my, as usual, my chart is a bit too small. Shoe buckle cluster. Mm-hmm. Shoe buckle cluster. I mean, can you see a shoe? Go on. Write in and tell us whether you can see a shoe buckle in Messier 35. <laughs> uh, you know, I, a lot of these clusters are slowly getting popular, so-called popular names because somebody coins a name and thinks, well, I think it looks like this. 
And if it's repeated enough, it's like a lot of things, if it's repeated enough, people start to believe it. So it's nice to have all these clusters eventually having names, though, and not mm. you know, common names rather than just a number. Yeah. I am not a number. <laughs> oh, this one is. It's Messier 35, but, <laughs> you know, but the shoe buckle cluster. It certainly makes them a lot more pleasant to write about when you've got a name as opposed to, you know, like m three four five six dash hyphen b seven it certainly sounds like there's a lot of uh, really good things to see in the sky at night sky this week as there are most weeks um so on the late night on the 11th of october uranus will be in a triangle with Musetti and the moon um then on the 12th to the 14th uh, of october the moon's going to be passing through taurus so there's lots of opportunities to see it near to things like the pleiades m45 the hyades mars and perhaps even the crab nebula They're a bit of a challenging one that one on the end and then finally at the end of the week on the 15th uh, the waning moon will be passing by m35 in gemini so hopefully one of those will uh, pique our listeners' interests. And if you want to keep up to date with even more things to see in the night sky, please do be sure to subscribe to the Sky at Night magazine's Star Diary podcast. And we hope to see you all here next week. Um, and I will see you here, Paul, next week. So thank you very much for, for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure. And see you next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 